Hello, friends, and welcome to a little program we like to call Bat Flips and Maple Dips, episode 16 of BFMD. My name's Clayton Croker. To my left, we have Justin, don't call me Mr. Anderson, and of course, the uh, the maritime mistress maker, the vice president and treasurer of the Alan Doyle fan club. We have Patrick Marsh joining us via Skype in the old Maritimes. Uh, big shout out to everyone in Montana, Idaho, Venice, uh, Siam, Am I missing anyone? No. Iowa. We're Iowa. in Iowa now. I can't believe Ireland. I for, can't believe I forgot our good friends in Des Moines. You know what? Fuck Ireland. They're out. You They're know. Out, well, yeah. we have way too many uh, too northern eyes. states listening to us. So yeah. Ireland, sorry, you got the cuts. Um, if you want to listen to us, I mean, you are listening to us. But if you want to listen to us another way, um, Spotify, Google Play Music, SoundCloud.com, iTunes, we're all over that stuff. Uh, all over the social media as well. Instagram, Twitter at BFMD Podcast on Facebook. Just Look up bat flips and maple dips. If you don't know how to search something on Facebook by now, yikes. I just feel sorry for you. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the future of the Jays because that's all Jays fans are talking about because that's all that is exciting in our lives because this season sucks to talk about. We'll dwell on that for a bit. We're going to be talking about the Rule 5 draft. Uh, we're going to be talking about the future 40-man roster for the Jays in the next few years. But first, we got to talk about uh, the New Hampshire Fisher Cats. Another bright spot for the Jays. Hey, fellas. I mean, we got next year and we got the Fisher Cats, uh, <laughs> Eastern League champions. Um, they killed it this year. Yeah. Uh, Bo Bichette, Kavon Biggio, Vladdy, when he was there, they just played really, really good. Uh, in your guys' eyes, what does this double A championship mean for the Jays? It's really cool because this is the same group that won the Florida State League Championship last year with Dunedin. Yeah. So this this team is kind of moving up through the ranks. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see what they do in Buffalo next year, uh, because most of them are gonna be playing there. It's gonna be cool to see if they can make it uh, three years in a row of championships at different levels. It'd be pretty awesome to see. But in terms of the organization, it really shows um, how deep this farm system has gotten that we can have a group move up, basically all together. And, and keep winning. It's really good to show us. It shows that our coaching staff down in the minors is doing a great job with these kids too and keeping them moving in the right direction. Patrick, do you get excited about our minor league teams being so successful or are you one of those guys who's like, you know what, until you get to the majors, it doesn't really matter. What side are you on? Uh, I'm on the side of, I think it's really exciting that we have multiple teams, not just the Fisher Cats, who are doing stuff. Like they're actually successful. And it's kind of weird because, in a way, we have this group here that won the Florida State League, like Justin said, and then the Fisher Cats winning this year. And they're gonna, Buffalo's going to be competitive next year, but there's also kind of like another group with like Jordan Groshans mm-hmm. and uh, Kloffenstein mm-hmm. and a couple of others that I can't think of right off the top of my head who are kind of like the 2.0 group who in two to five years will be also like competing for an MLB roster spot. So it's really cool to see that the farm has improved. And at some point in the future, it'll be interesting for us to discuss uh, who or what is responsible for that success. I remember playing MVP Baseball 2004 with Albert Pujols on the cover. <laughs> I remember playing with the Jays, and at the time we had the Syracuse Sky Chiefs yeah. as our AAA team. We still had New Hampshire as our AA yeah, team. Seems like the Fisher Cats have been our AA team forever. Canadian as well. But I remember the first couple of years I would always completely rebuild the Jays, <laughs> and then my AA team would always make it to the playoffs. So I would always send every one of my Major League players down to AA. <laughs> so I'd send like Halliday down there. I'd send Josh Phelps down oh, there. AJ Burnett. They'd all go down to double-A, and I would just run the table in double-A playoffs. It was so fun. So, New Hampshire, good job. Uh, can't say the same thing for the uh, Major League Club, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, that sweep against Boston. Uh, describe it with one word, Patrick Marsh. Uh, enema. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see that exactly. Coming. What are we like? Four minutes into the podcast, we already have our first enema reference. That's that, that's great news. Uh, Justin, the sweep against Boston. One word: invisible. I'm just gonna say gross the because bats were, the bats were invisible. Oh man, what happened to our bats? I miss the dingers. I've said it before on BFMD, and I'll say it again. I miss the dingers. I miss Edwin. I miss Jose. I miss Josh. I miss the dingers. Uh, the seven-two loss, game one. Ryan Barucki, again, six and a third innings pitch, only giving up two runs, but five hits. 
the one nothing loss. Obviously, we did not score a run, but Aaron Sanchez at least looked pretty good in that yeah. game. He outdueled David Price. Uh, the question on all of our listeners' minds, though, uh, Patrick, is he back? Uh, no, he proved that later on in the week. <laughs> He's okay. definitely not back yet. Okay, well, I can't wait to see who is back in Patrick's <laughs> mind. Probably like seven other players. Oh, he's back. You'll, oh, he's back. See. We were talking all uh, week. Yeah, four hits from the Jays in that one nothing loss. I mean, and then the 4-3 loss, how many hits did we get there? Uh, we had more there. I think we had nine in that one. But Still. But uh, and Guriel hit a big old bomb off the light tower above the monster in that game. Like it was gone. So it was an absolute bomb. Yeah, oh, that was, was awesome cool. to see. But at the same time, eighteen hits over three games and a twenty-eight to six strikeout to walk ratio. Yeah, not great. So what to you guys is more concerning: the fact that we're not getting hits, or the fact that we are striking out as much as we are? Uh, it's, I'm it's, afraid. To, yeah. Oh, go ahead. go ahead, Patrick. Then you go first. I know what you're going to say. say I'm, a, I'm afraid to ask uh, how many of those 28 strikeouts were coming from Smoke, Grichuk, and Hernandez. I think all of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just bad. Yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, we saw we saw a bunch of young guys play this series, and Solarte came back, and he always strikes out a lot. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Davis had his first hit in that one nothing loss off of David Price. So mm-hmm. Congratulations to Jonathan Davis. He came up from double-A to triple-A to the majors this year, so good for him to, to get that hit. Uh, Rowdy's been playing well again there, too. But, I mean, David Price looked really good. That's the best I'd seen David Price look mm-hmm. in a long time in a game that I got to watch. I know he's had some good games this year, but he was he was masterful over seven innings in it's... that game against Sanchez. I felt bad for Aaron because arguably one of Aaron's best games of the year with with uh, seven innings of one-run ball, um, but he just he couldn't get any run support. If only we had a chance to sign David Price. I mean, <laughs> oh, man, if we would have had that chance, I that wonder train. if we should have uh, jumped at that opportunity. Oh, I guess I guess we'll never know. Well, can't he opt out after this season? Yeah. Yes. We could, we, he could be out there, Clayton. The joke was that yeah, four I years know. ago we should have signed David Price. <laughs> I know that he kind of struggled his first couple of years in yeah. Boston, but we would be way better right now with a guy yeah. like David Price right. because our pitching rotation is so inexperienced. Let's go to New York. Um, I'm a little worried, though. Uh, one last thing on the Boston series. Um, at least sometimes when you aren't getting hits as a baseball team, sometimes you're just pissing on the baseball and you're just hitting it right to them. <laughs> but we're striking we out 28 times in three games. That yeah. means we're not pissing on the baseball. We're just missing the baseball altogether. Together, and then we started to play New York, and for whatever reason, uh, we started to hit the ball again because, well, we're the Blue Jays, and inconsistency is what we do best. Uh, that 11 nothing loss, though, um, I don't even want to talk about Let's it. Marco Estrada Marco was bad. Sucked. We had seven hits, 12 strikeouts in that game. Uh, then we turned things around, that 8-7 win. Uh, Sean Reed Foley, your boy, My Justin boy. Anderson. Uh, 10 Ks, four walks, two hits over five innings. The walks were a little high. But uh, what did you think of your guy? Yeah, so I have in our notes here that uh, there were a couple of questionable ball calls by the by the umpire um, in the bottom of the second inning that resulted in both Pete Walker and John Gibbons getting tossed mm-hmm. from the game for arguing balls and strikes. Um, and this was all with nobody out. And so then there was an infield hit to load the bases, and then he comes back and he blew fastballs by the next three batters and struck up the side to get out of the jam. And he looked pissed when he came off the mound. Yeah. Like, he was fired up. He struck out the side uh, two or three times in that in that game. And overall, he looked really good. I mean, the pitch count got up there, and that's why he only went five innings. But that's the second time we've seen him strike out 10 batters um, this season in his, in his five starts. So, I mean, he looked pretty good when he wasn't walking, guys. And I, I thought two of the walks as an umpire were on poor calls by the missed by the home plate umpire you so, would play the umpire card there but i can judge <laughs> <laughs> um but overall i thought he was really good and and the bullpen was was decent uh but not great they did what they had to do and the bats finally showed up to to get a win for us well one thing that you like to talk about justin is sean reed foley I one do. thing that patrick likes to talk about is our shitty bullpen <laughs> uh patrick talk about the bullpen were you impressed with their performance in that eight seven win i'm gonna guess no <laughs> No. No, man. Danny Burns, I don't know what happened to him, but he 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 should be working at a Taco Bell, not throwing Major League Baseball pitches. Do you guys have taco um, time out there in the Maritimes or no? 
Do we have what? Taco time? No, what so, what is taco time? Taco time it's, is like the annoying little cousin of Taco it's Bell. It's knockoff Taco it's Bell. It's like a Saskatchewan thing, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I was going to say, you know what? Danny Barnes doesn't even deserve Taco Bell. He deserves <laughs> taco time. Dare I say even Taco Del Mar. Oh. Yeah, that's when I mean, you know you hit I mean, either way, bottom. with all, those, all these taco stands, you're getting diarrhea. And that's my second bum joke of the night <laughs> and i've got more in the can but There's what i am one, hyped for more listen, in the can. Yeah. okay <laughs> oh, grinch nice. daddy grinch daddy got two more home runs yeah he's only he only needs what seven more or something like yeah. that to get to 30 run out of time though he's got like 10 games if, to do it yeah i know but i mean the point is that at the end of the year if we look back at grinch's season oh man Holy crap. Could you imagine if he had played like this all year? He'd have 35-plus home runs. He probably would have made the All-Star game because he'd be just dropping bombs left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that this is the, the a fact, uh, the incontrovertible truth, but don't you guys find it suspicious that the minute Pete Walker was ejected from the stadium – the team started to turn things around. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's that just is, a coincidence. I think it's a coincidence, Patrick. He's but. got three weeks left with the team. Just give him a break, okay? <laughs> Cut him some slack. Let him enjoy his last days as a Jays coach. <laughs> oh, Patrick. All right, enough. You correct um, me up. Okay, let's talk about uh, Thomas Pannone. Is he back, Patrick? Hold on a second. <laughs> Patrick's typing. Choo-choo, everybody, because guess what? The Thomas Pannone hype train is back in the station. He was so good during this game. Oh, man. Guys. I love it. Seven solid innings. He never once looked like he was out of his depth. Um, Six Ks, which is great. I mean, there's nothing else to be said except choo-choo, get back on the train. Uh, let's get oh, to the Baltimore man. series here. Uh, that 5 nothing win, <laughs> Ryan Barucki. Yeah, I'm just moving on after that. Uh, Ryan Barucki, phenomenal. Eight innings oh, pitch, man. three hits, one walk. Zero runs allowed. Um, Jansen, Pilar, Diaz, they all had dingers. It was just a really, really good team win. I don't think the 6-4 win the day after was a real good team win. Aaron Sanchez, figure it out, man. Like, stop teasing us with these great performances yeah. and being like, oh, man, he's back, and then he's not back. We can't pull a Thomas Pannone with you because we never know if you're back. Uh, four innings pitched, four hits, two earned runs, three walks. Yeah, it just wasn't a good thing. But uh, one of our favorites, a fart slam in oh, the fourth. The uh, you talk about the fart slam, okay, Justin. So... You love it so much. <laughs> Fart slam is my favorite made-up baseball stat. It's when fielders allow runner or runners to score like a moron. That's what a fart mm -hmm. slam stands for. We had a great fart slam. Well, <laughs> not great if you're a fan of the Blue Jays, but great if you're a baseball guy in the fourth inning. So we had a weird play at the start of the inning. Uh, Trey Mancini was batting, and he, he hit a pitch to left field that was about 8 to 10 inches inside off the plate, and he just turned on it. And Dwight Smith Jr., for some reason against the right-handed batter, was playing in left center field, and he had to run so far over that he misplayed the ball, got over his head, and, and they scored it as a triple. I thought it could have been a double with an error by the fielder because there, if he was playing straight-up defense, the ball would have been an easy routine fly ball. I don't know what the coaches were doing, but I can't believe Mancini hit the ball to begin with because it mm -hmm. was so far inside. Um, and Sanchez turned around right away and was like, what the heck just happened? Like, how did he hit that? And then uh, So he was on third, and then uh, he hit Chris Davis with a pitch mm -hmm. on, the, on like, the very next pitch. Um, and then he got a cut, he got an out and there was a single, uh, and on that single, Billy McKinney was trying to throw out a runner at third base and he threw the ball like into left field. Like it didn't even make it like it didn't even touch the infield dirt. It was in no. left field. Um, and Aaron Sanchez was backing up third base. So that was one error on McKinney. So there's one fart slam. One guy scored on that play. And then Sanchez tried to get the ball and throw it home to get another guy and threw it into the stands, allowing another run to score. So two runs scored ah. on two errors on the same play. So yeah. we had the rare double fart slam on, on that play. So, I mean, that didn't help. At that point, without those two errors, it was 2 nothing. He probably could have got out of the inning. He only threw 77 pitches, but I think Gibby was probably just like, you know, this guy's had enough for tonight. He's probably just rattled by this fourth inning. He got out of it, um, and then all of a sudden the team decided to score some runs for him uh, and come back to win the game. Uh, the bullpen was great. Uh, mm -hmm. I know Patrick just shot on the bullpen, but do you want to give the bullpen some praise this time, Patrick? Specifically, Hunter yep. Miles Giles. Yeah, yeah. Giles came in and and he, along with the rest of the bullpen for this game, saved it from any more comedy of errors. I have to say, 
I gave Giles a lot of crap because he was very, very bad in Houston in non-save situations. But since coming to the Jays, not only has he been perfect in save opportunities, uh, he's also playing with a degree of confidence Mm -hmm. and a lack of that self-hatred that we (laughs) saw in Houston. And um, I know it's kind of funny, but at the same time, maybe a change of scenery was all Giles Mm -hmm. needed to just get it together. Yeah. What do you guys think? I was watching the pregame for tonight's game uh, before I came on here, and uh, Rash Madani sat down with Giles in there. He was asking him about um, kind of his mentality since he's joined the Jays, and he said, and Giles said that the that the pitching staff and the coaches have been really uh, helping him just kind of stay under control and not, I mean, not 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 think too much Mm -hmm. uh, and not get too far ahead of himself, and just he said, stay within myself. He's like, I know I can throw the ball well, so I've just been focusing on that just getting ahead of batters. So I think it's the change of scenery and some different people um, giving him advice and opinions has probably been good for him. And we've seen him. He's been, he's, he lights out in save situations. I stopped listening after Arash Madani because <laughs> I cannot stand Arash Madani. I don't understand Arash Madani. Oh, I'm a Canadian reporter and yet I'm going to shit all over the CFL. Oh, okay, Arash, that's cool, bud. Like you will yeah. not, he's one of those guys who, <laughs> We all had this one friend in our life. Uh, oh, the NFL is way better than the CFL. Uh, you can't, no, don't even debate it about me. No, yeah. CFL's trash, CFL's trash. Arash is that guy, and everyone hates that fucking guy. <laughs> if you're that guy, stop being that guy. Yeah, uh, let's agreed. talk about the uh, upcoming week here. We got one more game against Baltimore. I think we will sweep the shithawks. Um, then we got four against Tampa, and Tampa, man, they could make the playoffs. Like, they're playing for their playoff lives. They're, I think they're eliminated now. Are they? Or they're very close, too. Yeah. Even in the wild card? It is. Oh, yeah. I think it. I think it's official. Yeah, it's close. Oh, it's, it sucks for them. I was kind of hoping they would sneak up. They're they're just a little bit too little, too late mm-hmm. in their in their late season push. It's been awesome to watch. I mean, and as much as I don't like the Rays when we play against them, they've got a they're much like us. So they have a really good core of young players. Like Blake Snell has his ERA down below two now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he should win the Cy Young this year um, in the American League. Whether or not he will, because he plays in Tampa Bay or not, is another story. But he's being really good, and they have a bunch of good young players, excuse me, on that team who are very exciting to watch. And I'm looking forward to the young Jays versus young Rays in, mm-hmm. in the future years. All right, let's not focus on the game against Baltimore. The four against Tampa and the three against Houston. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. think the Jays' record is going to be, Patrick? Oh, um, I'm going to say we're going to go like two and five. Okay. In those seven games, because I do, I agree with you. We're gonna sweep Baltimore right now. We've got two guys on base, no outs. Nice. Actually, the bases are now loaded. Ooh, fun. Uh, for Kendris, I'm going to hit a grand slam, Morales. <laughs> uh, that's his legal name, by the way. <laughs> and uh, I just like Tampa. I think I know they're eliminated. Like mathematically, they're eliminated, but I could still see them pushing hard. They they've got enough time left to get to 90 wins and i just they're just the better team and with guys like snell we're probably going to see snell and i agree like he sh- probably should be the cy young winner he probably won't win it but that's just what's going to happen okay. we're just going to get we're going to get our asses whipped <laughs> i think we'll go three and four i'm going to be optimistic um Another one on Tampa, their AAA team just won the International League, the same mm-hmm. league that our Buffalo Bisons play in, and they just called up four players, including Austin Meadows, who they got from Pittsburgh in that Chris Archer deal. So we'll have some new faces with playing with the Rays this weekend as well. We're going to go 6-1. and one. You heard it here first. Um, who's hot, who's not? Uh, <laughs> let's focus on the pitchers first yeah. because Ryan Barucki deserves a lot of love. Yeah, uh, Ryan Barucki, three straight quality starts, um, not giving up that much hard contact. The walks are a little bit high in that time frame. Uh, overall, his numbers are looking pretty good. He's had a couple of rough outings against Boston, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but other than that, like, I I don't want to say he was pitching insanely well against Baltimore, but he was. It is Baltimore after all. Mm-hmm. But he did look real good. I watched that game, hoping he would be able to go the distance and give us our first complete game shutout in like two and a half years or something stupid because our pitching staff sucks at going deep in games. Uh, but he did. He's he's been he's been great the last month. It's been awesome to watch. Patrick Ryan Barucki is your boy, so give him some love. Yeah, Shell Rucky has probably been our best pitcher if you look at like the whole stretch of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he is walking more batters than I would like for him to, but it's still like a really, really low rate. He's doing a good job of limiting contact and limiting like hard contact. And I think that's a good sign. It, the guy, Show Rucky is not a good enough nickname for him anymore. It's all, I almost want to call him Baby Burley because he reminds me so much of Mark Burley and his ability on the mound to just not only control the game, but also like just limit what batters are able to do at the plate. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Another guy that's hard to describe, Patrick, uh, Tim Meza, because he just blends in with the rest of our bullpen. No one really stands out on our bullpen, but you did some digging, and Tim Meza, uh, he's actually had a pretty good season other than like two appearances, hey? Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, Tim Meza deserves more attention than what he's getting. Um, which is to say none. I think we've talked about him a grand total of twice this year, and it was both times that he, you know, shit out a bad appearance. Uh, In his last 15 games, uh, 15.1 innings pitched, only nine hits, only four earned runs, and all four of those earned runs came in the same appearance. 17 strikeouts, 2.35 ERA. Look, I know that... We talk about how, like, earned runs aren't everything and things like that. If you look at eight of the 13 runs he's given up all season came from just two appearances where he was really bad, that's crazy good. His current ERA right now for the season doesn't look great, but if you take into account those two four-run appearances, one was in an 8-3 loss against the Twins, the other was uh, that 10-2 uh, ass-whipping at the hands of the Yankees uh Back in August, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, the guy has just been incredible. Um, the win-loss thing, too, it, uh, we've talked about it a little bit <clears throat> when it comes to uh, how it doesn't really matter when it comes to a, a pitcher's performance. We like to see a crazy good win-loss record, but uh, the Jays' record when Tim Meza has been on the field at any point is 11-20, and 20, which sounds really 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 bad but at the same time in his last 30 appearances or so he has limited us or limited opponents to like a 3.69 era nice and again that that comes from like a couple of games Mm -hmm. um he's only given up three home runs in 32 games this year he's probably been our best bullpen arm this season Uh, Very consistent, and he's chipped away at the ERA, which has suffered from those two really bad games. And nobody's paying attention to him. And we'll talk about the 40-man roster later on. Uh, Spoiler alert, Tim Meza not only deserves to be on it, but he should absolutely be one of our bullpen arms uh, next year. Save it for the 40-man talk. (laughs) You just spoiled it. (laughs) Just because you said spoiler alert doesn't mean it's not a spoiler. (laughs) God. Uh, Just for that, you don't get to talk about your boy Thomas Pannone. How about that, Patrick? Yeah, boom, roasted. Uh, Justin, Thomas Pannone. Thomas Pannone is back. (laughs) I got to do it for (laughs) Patrick. (laughs) So... (laughs) Patrick has in here before the bad start. He was he had pitched like eleven and a third good innings, and after the bad start, he's pitched almost seventeen innings. So I mean, outside of one bad start, Thomas Pannone's been solid. I mean, the the strikeout to walk ratio is about three to one, which is pretty good for a guy who's not a strikeout pitcher. And he hasn't he's given up one home run per nine innings, really overall. So I mean. Do you think Thomas Pernone can start in the rotation next year? No. No? No. Yes. Absolutely yes. No. See, I'm on the fence. Yes. I'd way rather go out and get a veteran arm than rely on Thomas Pannone. That is, the, the that's same, such a mistake. It's so short-sighted time. to do that yeah. because Pannone is right in the age that we need a player like him to be in. Like, what is he, 26, 27? He's in the 25, Something 26 like that. range, yeah. Yeah, he's like in the mid to late 20s. Um, since we called him up, aside from his one really bad start, he has been great. He has a below two ERA. I'd and rather yes, I'd rather have I, him in the bullpen because we don't have any good arms 20, in the bullpen. He's guys, twenty-four, by the way. We gotta sacrifice some of our arms 
uh, for the bullpen because we have a lot of these middle-of-the-road kind of pitchers right now who are kind of on the fence of, uh, okay, they could be in our rotation or they could be in the bullpen. we got to make a decision with some of them. And if we need some solid arms in the bullpen for next year. I'm not saying that Thomas Pannon is a bad pitcher. I would just rather see him in our bullpen. I would way rather see him as a middle relief guy. Your logic makes perfect sense to me, Clayton, but at the same time, it is so much harder to find a starter that's going to be worth the money that you're going to pay for him in free agency than it is with relievers. Matt Harvey. I would rather sp- Okay, but I would rather spend $12 million on three very, very good rele- relievers than $12 million on a starter who could end up blowing chunks and then all of a sudden we've blown a 12 million dollar wad on a guy who's just going to underperform the history of us picking up those relief guys are bad though i mean drew storen horrible pickup for the toronto blue jays when you look at the track history the track record of the jays picking up guys like relievers who are worth five six million dollars in that rate in that price range they don't really pan out so why don't we put some of these young guys and be like, you know what, you're going to be in the bullpen for a couple of years and then maybe bring them out to be starters eventually if they keep playing well. Yeah, the, the logic there is, is okay. The thing that, that I'm not a huge fan of is they've been bringing these guys up through the organization as starters. Um, we did the same thing with Roberto Osuna, of all people, mm-hmm. and then turned him into, into a closer. Uh, but at the same time, these guys like Pannon and Baraki – they don't have the overpowering stuff that most bullpen relievers have bullpen arms have now. Mm-hmm. They're endurance guys. They're distance That's men, true. right? Yeah. So putting putting Pannon in the bullpen as a left-handed starting pitcher, um, when we have we have Tim Mesa down there, and there's always left-handers available, whether or not they're good, like uh, Josh Hader or not, is another story. Um, but I'm a, I'm a fan of keeping Pernod as a starter. I'm not sure whether he opens the season in the rotation, but I got to think if he doesn't, he's going to be the first man up next year from Buffalo. Yeah, I say we keep him again. Keep him as our kind of spot starter guy. He's our Drew Hutcherson, Joe Biagini kind of guy. <laughs> better, a better version. Where if we need a guy in the middle innings, we can throw him. If we need him to start, we can throw him. If we need to set up, because he's so versatile. Yeah. I just think that his talents are better suited for the bullpen it's... right now because we have such bad needs in the bullpen. Let's put our good arms there. Yeah, the, the tough thing of keeping him as a spot starter in the bullpen, I'd rather just see him in Buffalo. If he's not going to pitch regularly as a starting pitcher, he might as well be in the rotation in AAA. That's true. Pitching every five days. Yeah. Um, the worst thing you can do with a young guy is is not let him pitch because he's just not going to develop further. Mm-hmm. So either he's got to be in the rotation in the big leagues or he's going to be in the rotation in Buffalo next year. Let's talk about the hitter, shall we? Because uh, I notice you guys have three guys on the uh, hitter's hot list yeah. here. Uh, I think you're missing Gritch Daddy. Uh, I think we should give more love to Gritch Daddy again because we touched on it before. The strikeouts were high, though. Uh, they were a bit high, but the, so, the, the start high. of his season compared to now, man, yeah. the guy is tearing he it is. up. He's doing well. I've always been a fan of Gritch Daddy. I, if we look back in the podcast episodes, I don't think I've ever really chirped him. I've always I was been too. like, you know what? We were, we were, I, we were I, all kind of there. I always liked Gritch. I've, I'm yeah. kind of happy he's doing well. But uh, Patrick, touch on a lead Miss Diaz, Captain Inconsistency, <laughs> because uh, he's hot again. Six for 16 in his last seven games. He's still fighting for that spot. Um, what do you think about Diaz? I think I probably misspoke earlier in the season when I said there's no future for him or there's no spot. He's actually batting right now a little bit better than his career expectations. I think his batting average right now before uh, today's game started was in the 260s, um, which is about what could be expected from a run-of-a-mill shortstop. Um he would be a great stopgap option for us in the middle infield, especially if we are looking to take our time with the development of Bichette and Biggio. We already have Gurriel up. He's already proven that he is an MLB caliber player. We can fit him wherever we want. Uh, Devin Travis's days are probably numbered, especially if Diaz can play this well, because we can always shift Gurriel over to second. His OBP is not great. It's 296. It needs to be better. Um, a bit more patience the play could lead to more walks, which would help both his batting average and on-base percentage, and thus by extension the team. I would say, despite the fact that he is hot one week and cold the next, Diaz is probably our smartest option as of today, September 19th, 2018, for our starting shortstop next year. Mm. And he's earned it. Aledmus Diaz, the new Ryan Goins. You heard it here first. 
Except I love him. I, I love him as a utility guy all over the field because yeah. he can play anywhere. And if he keeps hitting the way he is right now, he's got power. He's such a weapon. I mean, yeah. when our infield gets hurt, which it always seems to do every single year, mm-hmm. you just plug a guy like Diaz in there. That's why I loved Ryan Goins. You just plug him. He performs pretty well. He's not going to blow anyone away. But Diaz, he's proven it. Um, I'll let you talk about uh, Rowdy there, Justin. Anderson. Yeah, this guy. I just love our beer league first baseman. Like he is awesome. He's fun to watch. I mean, he's just this big dude lumbering around, but he can swing it. I mean, he's the thing I've liked about Rowdy. I mentioned it last week is that he he hasn't been afraid to take the ball the other way. Um, you always see these bigger guys; they tend to be pull happy hitters, mm-hmm. and he's not. He's got a great approach at the plate. Uh, and yeah, like the the kind of the first twelve game streak that we saw, like guys like Jansen and McKinney go on. He's kind of in there too. We'll we'll see what happens to him when. When hitter or when pitchers start to do some different things, stop throwing him so many fastballs, because uh, he can hit the fastball. It's been, it's been in there. I don't, I don't think we'll see Rowdy on the opening day roster next year, just based on roster uh, kind of restrictions with Smokey there and Morales around still. But Rowdy is a definitely a 2020 guy for me for the Jays. Patrick, anything on Rowdy Teles? Uh no, I mean, I think Justin said it really, uh, really well. I, it's interesting to see what will happen with him, uh, how many starts he gets the rest of the year and see whether or not he does end up cooling off or maybe he rides the high into spring training. I just don't see a spot for him in the lineup, especially considering we've got Smoke, whose option where we'd be stupid not to pick up, and Morales, who we're on the hook for anyway. There's just not a spot for Rowdy right now. But the millisecond that one of those guys gets hurt or can't play or has to go to the 10-day DL, Rowdy will get called up. He's just going to spend a lot of time commuting between Buffalo and Toronto next year. That's just a fact. Yeah. But the year after that will be the year of Rowdy, I think. All right, a little behind the scenes here on uh, Bat Flips Maple Dips. Uh, Justin and Patrick write the notes, and then I read them after. Uh, I'm just reading this one. Kevin Pillar, I guess. <laughs> Fuck you guys, okay? <laughs> Kevin Pillar had two dingers this week. He's batting 267. Like He's yeah. playing good. He, he, if we round no. up, he's batting 270, and that's a great average for someone who is known as having a subpar bat. Oh, his on-base percentage isn't that good. Oh, he strikes out too much. You know what? Moneyball rules. Still has 270 average. I know the on-base thing, you know, gets on base, whatever. 267. He's batting pretty good, and he's probably our best that, outfielder when it comes to defensive That 267 play. this week, he's at like 245 overall. Still. Whatever. I still love it. I okay? Don't. You guys can get off of Kevin Pillar's back. I'm sick of it. Uh, let's get to the who's not here. Uh, Marco Estrada. He's done. Yeah. Do, do we need to spend any more time on Marco Estrada I just have, here? I have a quick question on Marco for you guys. So he's a free agent. Does he get a major league contract from a team? Yes. Does he get a minor league contract with an invitation to spring training? Which one does he get? No. No, he get, he's going to get a major league contract because there's always going to be a team like San Diego that needs someone <laughs> that'll somewhat intrigue fans. Estrada is from Mexico, is he not? Yeah. Yeah, he is. There you go. I, I guarantee you if Estrada does not stupidly get re-signed by the Jays, he, uh, he will end up in San Diego. I didn't see that Mexican connection there because I was like, man, if you're the Padres and you think Marco Estrada is going to bring fans to the, ball, to the ballpark, that's not going to happen. Uh, Danny Barnes, Patrick, just go off on him because I know you want to. Hey, kids. You want to know why wins and losses don't matter for pitchers? I'm about to tell you. The Jays are 18-26 and 26 when Danny Barnes pitches which looks like it's better than Tim Mazes, But when you compare the two over the same amount of innings pitched in games where they've appeared, Danny Barnes has an ERA of 7.92 Oof. compared to Tim Mazes' 3.69. I should preface this by saying neither one of those is great. No. Tim's is good. <laughs> Danny's is atrocious. If your ERA, if ERA isn't your bag and you're, you know, you're more interested in the little tiny stats. Barnes has given up four more walks and has uh, 14 less strikeouts than Mesa. And if that's not good enough for you, Danny Barnes's whip during the same time period is 1.92 Ooh. compared to Tim Mesa's 
my conclusion is there is absolutely no chance Danny Burns will have an MLB career after this season. He is done. The Jays are performing a very generous charitable act by allowing him to be on the team and allowing him to step onto an MLB field at this point. There must be some kind of make-a-wish going on. Oh, my because, gosh. <laughs> because, honestly, oh, Danny Burns is not a professional. Like, he... Uh, no, Danny Burns probably is a professional. He's just not a prof- uh, professional ball player. Like, he's just not... He, he doesn't have it. Danny Barnes will be a member of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes next season. You heard it here first. <laughs> wow, you just went off on Danny Barnes. I love it. Uh, I, I, does does he not deserve it? Look at his performance. Yeah, it's not great. Every uh, time I see him come into the game, I kind of get nervous. And we could go off about any bullpen guy, really, yeah. uh, except for Giles and Meza, really. But we're so tired of talking about our horseshit <laughs> oh, pitching. Uh, let's just go on to the hitters because – Basically, that Danny Barnes description, it could be used for about five or six uh, pitchers on the Jays. Uh, when it comes to hitters, Devin Travis, not great. We touched on that. His time with the Jays might be done. But Danny Jansen and McKinney, I didn't see them kind of falling down to they're cool to bottom as much as I did. They're not at bottom, I should say, no. but they've definitely cooled off. No, they're, they're just cold right now. I mean, Jansen hit that home run against Baltimore, and McKinney's got a hit tonight. Uh, Solarte is just, I don't know, the guy hits infield flies like I've never seen in my life. Yeah. Um, but he slaps his hands when he hits home runs, so we the fans like him. Uh, but he won't be on the team. We're going to buy him out. It's a cheap buyout. Patrick, do you agree with that? Do you think Solarte is going to get bought out? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Solarte is getting fired into the sun. I'm pretty sure we have, a, I think it's a $500,000 buyout on a, or a $7.5 million contract for next year. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, Unless you have two evils there, we'll buy that out. It's so weird because like five weeks, he was back. He was back! Was he back ever? I think he was back once know. or twice on the podcast. Maybe he was, but I mean... According to Patrick, everyone has been back at least twice. Earlier in the season, Salarte was hitting home runs, and then he stopped hitting, period, um, and then got hurt, and then hasn't hit, period, since he's been back, so... Yeah, goodbye. Patrick, um, anyone else that you want to chirp? Because it's really, really funny when you rip Jays apart. So, um, I feel like I've, I've dropped the mic already when it comes to Danny Burns. It can't get any better than that. With Solarte, I can remember early in the season, I was singing his praises because I was like, oh, thank God we have this guy because JD was hurt and underperforming. And then it was like the minute we started praising him, I, I don't know. It was like whatever the opposite of magic is. Dark arts, I guess. I don't know. Where he was just batting under 200. He wasn't hitting home runs anymore. He just... I just don't know what's up with him. Um, it's funny that I should mention that uh, he'd be fired into the sun when his name is Solarte. Because you've got Solar, Solar. Get it? Yeah. I'll give Stop you one single laugh. Stop giving me a platform to tell terrible jokes. One That's... single ha. That's all that deserved. Yeah, I'm not going to give you anything for that. Uh, if you're done, Patrick, we're going to let Professor Anderson have the floor here because uh, he's going to be talking about the future of the Jays, which is so refreshing to talk about. Uh, yeah. The Rule 5 draft. Uh, it's very confusing to the uh, non-hardcore baseball fan yeah. because, I mean, there's the actual draft. There's the Rule 5 draft. There's two different trade deadlines. There are different <laughs> trade deadlines. There's a lot of weird things with baseball. It's a weird game. But the Rule 5 draft, Justin, just quickly uh, take us through it. Yeah, so there there was an article that came out this week about how the Blue Jays are going to have some difficult uh, decisions when it comes to the 40-man roster, which will be our roundtable topic once I finish going over this Rule 5 draft. Uh, so the Rule 5 draft is held in December on the last day of the uh, winter meetings for the general managers. It's usually in Florida because they want to have some sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so basically it allows teams who don't have a full 40-man roster uh, a chance to select some non-40-man roster players from other teams in the league. So in order to be eligible to be picked up in the in the uh, Rule 5 draft, there are two different criteria. So there's players who signed at age 18 or younger who have played professionally for at least five years. So professionally just means anywhere in the minor league systems of teams. And that's usually, when it says 18 or younger, that's usually pertaining to international signings because they can sign at age 16. Mm -hmm. Um, And also players who signed at 19 or older 
who have played professionally for at least four years. So these are those kind of guys who go to college for a year or two and get drafted, then sign. Um, so when a player is not on a team's 40-man roster, it opens him out to be picked in the Rule 5 draft. So say, we remember we picked Joe Biagini in 2015 yeah. from the Giants? Um, I'll give him to some examples of some more famous players afterwards. Uh, but when a player is selected, the team who picked him has to pay $100,000 to the team that they get him from. Uh, that changed. So when the new CBA was signed in 2017 that runs through 2021, it used to be $50,000, and now okay. they put it up to $100,000. Uh, that player that they've selected and paid $100,000 for is immediately placed on their 25-man major league roster, uh, and that player has to stay there. So Joe Biagini, when we picked him in 2015, he played all of 2016 with us. Yeah. And luckily for us, he actually had a good year mm-hmm. uh, in the bullpen. So that new team, if they would like to remove him from their 25-man roster, they can place him on outright waivers. Uh, if that player clears waivers, this is the confusing part, they are then offered back to their original team. So say the Giants want Joe Biagini back, they could have paid $50,000 for him. And if they don't want him, then that player can be sent to the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like, oh, you took our guy, but now you don't want him on your major league roster. We have the chance to get him back if yeah. we want to. Um, so the, and if, the, if a club wants to just put a guy to the minors right away, they can trade for him in the Real 5 draft. They can work out a deal. So say the Jays are like, okay, we want Joe BG, but we want, him to, we want him in Buffalo. We don't want him on our big league roster. The Giants are like, hmm, well, give us $200,000 and we'll make it a deal. You, yeah. you can just have his rights outright and they can just trade him and then he can be assigned to AAA right away. So... Now that I've kind of gone over that, uh, a little-known guy named Roberto Clemente, who nobody knows who that is, uh, in 1954, was a Rule 5 draft pick. The Pirates selected him from the Brooklyn Dodgers. uh, And then uh, Clemente spent uh, the entire 1955 season on their Major League roster, and he became a member of the Baseball 3000 Hit Club and Hall of Fame, and is arguably maybe the best Latin American player to ever lace him up in the big leagues. Easily the best. Yeah. And then more recently, uh, Twins selected left-hander Scott Diamond. We all know who Scott Diamond is <laughs> from the Braves in uh, the 2010 draft. And then so rather than keep him on their major league roster, they worked out a trade. Uh, so the Minnesota traded a, a right-hander named Billy Bullock, who was a minor leaguer, to the Braves during their spring training in exchange for Diamond's full rights. And that allowed Diamond to be optioned to AAA, uh, where he began that season, and he ended up coming up to the big leagues in 2011. Any questions about the Real 5 draft? Did I kind of explain it decently? No, that's good. I like how when you pick up a player in the Real 5 draft, you have to have him on your 25-man roster. And if you want to send him down, there are consequences for that. Because if there weren't rules, then people would just Mm -hmm. be drafting players in the Real 5 draft left, right, and center. And and the good news is that, I mean, you have to have room on your 40-man, and not a lot of teams end up having room. Like, if you look at past years, not every team makes a pick in the the Real 5 draft Mm because their 40s are full. We're likely going to have that scenario this year with the Jays. Um, and because that player has to be uh, put on your 25-man roster, it really makes... Teams usually pick AAA guys or guys who have played some time in the big leagues in these drafts, like Joe Biagini was. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you pick a guy... Say you want a guy that's on a high A team. He might be like 21 years old and signed as a 16-year-old. Um, but you have to put him on your 25-man and if you want to outright them, the other team can just buy them back from you for for twenty for fifty thousand or whatever it is twenty five grand fifty k sorry mm-hmm. it used to be twenty five before the new CBA so it's just like why would we go through the time of of picking up a single A player when you're just gonna probably lose them right back to that team anyway exactly so it, that's why you'll see when we talk about this next topic that there are some guys lower lower down in the organization who are eligible to be picked this year but they won't be because. It's just a hassle, and no one's going to go through the process of buying and selling and all this junk. <laughs> well, let's get into that, yeah. because uh, our roundtable discussion today, um, what are the Jays going to do with their 40-man roster? Mm-hmm. Because their current 40-man roster, uh, right now, it's just it's a clusterfuck of situations. Really let's be real here. we got a lot of guys who have options. we got a lot of guys who are going to be free agents. we got a lot of guys who are going to be reinstated from the DL, a lot of guys who are available for a buyout. Um, Patrick, where do you want to start with this 40-man roster? Like, what, uh, like what, Do you want to start at a position? Do you want to start with pitching? Do you want to start with a certain topic? What should we go here with our 40-man roster? Uh, it's a good idea. I, I think what we agreed on uh, prior was that we would go we color coded everything mm-hmm. 
uh, just to make it a little bit easier to look at. So we'll start off by talking about our free agents. Uh, the bad news when it comes to the for- current 40-man roster is that only two positions are occupied by guys who are going to be free agents, one of which is the venerable, uh, and I say that very sarcastically, Tyler Clippard, uh, and of course, Marco Estrada. Um, we are definitely not going to sign either one of them because there's no reason to, and it would be a step backwards for the team. Yeah. As much as I love Estrada, his best years are long behind him. So if we want to, let's keep a running tally of the slots that we'll be opening up and closing up sure. uh, as we go here. So um, if we're all in agreement that we're not going to sign Clippard and Estrada, mm-hmm. um, we can say that we've got two open spots so far. So we're plus two. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I'll defer over to Justin to do uh, the orange. Yeah, so our next, uh, we have two guys, uh, mainly Reiner Cruz, who none of us really remember because he pitched in three games for us earlier in the season. And these are players that must be reinstated from the DL. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also Troy Tulowitzki, who are both on the 60-day DL. So once the season is over, before the Rule 5 draft, those guys will have to be placed back onto the 40-man roster for the duration of the Rule 5 draft. Um, because technically right now on our 40-man roster, we have 42 players on it because we have these two guys on the disabled list, yeah. which allows us to add two more guys in their place. So we're going we're gonna to lose two in Tyler Clippert and Marco Estrada, and then right away we've got to put two guys back on. In, in my opinion, Reiner Cruz is going to be just DFA'd. He's 32 years old. Mm, he's no future. He, he pitched for two years with Houston. And then in 2012 and 2013, and, and then this year with us for three games, is the next he, he was out of the big leagues for five years. Yeah. So he's just one of those guys that he's on our 60-day DL and in our organization now, but he won't be come the winter meetings. So we can really we can really say that we're minus one there technically, if we want to be realistic, because Renner Cruz isn't going to be around. No. There was even a no. Try to be article. but. Can we buy him out before the Rule 5 draft to we can, open up the We can slot? do it at any time after the season concludes, after the World Series, yeah. That's yeah, when the so he's absolutely over. unequivocally going to be bought out yeah. because there's no reason for that position to remain We can do the, we, we can DFA him so, at any time, yeah. What about Tulo, then? Tulo is going to be around because of his contract. We can't afford to um, not have him on our roster because we'd have to pay him anyway. True. Um and allegedly, he's going to be. Here. He wants to start at shortstop next year. So let's see what he does. I love that. I love it. I love yeah. the. I love the claim. <laughs> love the determination. I love. Um, it. I would love to see Tulo back in our squad next year. No, no, it'd be it'd be a real crazy thing. Speaking of guys who are injured, brief segue. David Wright's going to play as last. He's going to come back off the DL at the end of this next week hmm. for the Mets and play in a couple games and then retire. No, I like that. Um, they're going to let him do that. At least, think he's going to play in one game. Uh, he'll he'll start at third base and play as long as he can, kind of thing, and then he'll retire after. So kind of sad about another guy, um, who kind of is in the same age group as as Troy Tulowitzki, who's been around for a while and a really good player in his prime, but it, yeah. he's going to go out quietly. Um, but yeah, that's a brief segue back to the Jays. <laughs> so right now we're at minus one still. Yeah, we're minus we're minus. Or a plus yeah, one. Ne- so plus one. Our okay, ne- so we have 39, 39 yeah. guys on our 40-man roster yeah. as of right now. We lost two in Clippard and Estrada. We're going to get rid of Ryan Cruz and put Troy back on. So we're, yeah. we're going to be – we've got 39 guys We right have now. one spot right now available. One spot. Okay, let's talk about guys <laughs> who have team options and players that are available for a buyout here. Yeah. Uh, Justin Smoke, Solarte. Uh, those are our two guys who are available for a buyout or have team options. Yeah. I, I think we work the team option with Justin Smoke. It's an eight million dollar option, or I think it's a twenty or two hundred fifty thousand dollar buyout. But mm-hmm. eight million bucks for the best—he has the highest OPS among AL first basemen this season. Obviously, we're going to work our option up. for him. Yeah, he'll obviously, be Rowdy Telez, you're good, but you're not quite you're that not good quite yet. Smoke yet. Uh, Salarte, we were just talking about it. If we don't buy him out, we're I think dumb. that's such a bad move yeah. for the Jays. <laughs> So we have two spots now, right? Yeah, because we're going to uh, keep Smoke. He's already on the 40. Okay, and now it gets to the fun part, yeah. uh, arbitration. <laughs> a lot of guys are eligible for arbitration. Uh, mm. Ken Giles, uh, Jake Patricka, Aaron Sanchez, Marcus Stroman, Ryan Tapera, Brandon Drury, Devin Travis, Randall Gritchick, Kevin Pillar. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick, you start here. Out of two guys on our arbitration list, you can pick two 
who you wouldn't mind getting a lot of money in arbitration because sometimes the players get a lot more than they deserve in arbitration. Sometimes they get a lot less than they deserve. Who would you not mind getting more money out of though? Like two guys out of that list. I think we have yet to see peak Randall Grichik, so I would be fine if he got paid, mm-hmm. especially after his performance this season. Agreed. Again, like I keep saying this, and I'm going to keep hammering it into everybody's heads until we all drink the Kool Aid together. This guy started the first month and a bit of the season batting under 100. Yeah. And now he's batting in the 240s, and he's flirting with 30 home runs on the season. Yeah, he's been crazy to me. It's unbelievable. Yep. Okay, what's another guy on that list? Uh, Another guy I wouldn't mind getting paid would be uh, 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 Ken Giles because – I think his days of self-flagellation and uh, poor performances are behind him. Everyone loses he seems it once to... in a while. Oh, yeah. yeah. He just lost it What's very that? publicly. Everyone loses it once in a while. You're like as Spider-Man would say, everybody gets one. Yeah. So I think Ken Giles, I think he had his one. I think he's fine now. And the poor guy just have ha- it had to happen on a, a broad a TV broadcast. Yeah, exactly. So you would have Giles and Grichik. Those are the guys you wouldn't mind paying a lot of money in arbitration. Mm-hmm. They have earned significant pay increases from the last year. Okay, Justin, two guys on the arbitration list you wouldn't mind paying a lot of money. Those the same two. There's only two on that list that I can justify paying more money than they're currently getting. I want to make this argument for the sake of arguing. Don't say Kevin Pillar. I would say Kevin <laughs> Pillar because he's earned it. Sometimes yeah. in hockey, hockey players will get big contracts later on in their career because they've earned it, especially with the team that they were with before. It's like, hey, man, you toughed out an injury. You were great for us in the playoffs. Maybe they won a cup with them or whatever. They might throw them you know, a little hometown bonus money, you know? I think Kevin Pillar, just because of how he is with the fans, and here's the thing: I'm a Kevin Pillar fan. I'm biased. You're I know it's wrong. You're a homer. I know, I know. But with Kevin Pillar, I'm a homer. He's one of my favorite Jays. He makes the best plays, guys. The yeah. best plays. They're so fun to watch. And I know okay. that it would be bad business. I know we shouldn't overpay for him. I, I know we should underpay for him. He probably shouldn't even be on the team next year. I want to make an argument against you in this situation. Mm-hmm. So you remember when we talked about WRC plus? Yeah. The average is 100 in the league. Yeah. Kevin Pillar, his highest career season finish is mm-hmm. 94. He's at 86 right now. Yeah, that's He's, not great. He has a positive war because of his defense, mm-hmm. but his bat is like insanely negative. You still into. need defensive guys, though. That's a you thing. You do, but can you justify paying him more than the $3.2 million he's getting this season just to play defense? No. Yeah. That's true. That's, that's, I know. That's the argument. Mm-hmm. I mean— I like Kevin Plyer as a person. Like, don't get me wrong. I think he's he's been great for Toronto. The fans love him. He does play good defense, good enough defense. <laughs> yeah. But the bat for me as a center fielder, it's not good enough. Hmm. Well, agree to disagree. It's actually, it's actually really bad as a center fielder. <laughs> I like very, nice. very bad. <laughs> yeah, well, you guys can just go kick rocks, okay? <laughs> um, okay, so for uh, other arbitration guys, who would you want us to see, like, arbitration if they don't agree on a contract it goes to the arbitrator it goes to the arbitrator yeah this the teams the team can agree so say say ken giles i'm not sure what ken giles is making right now but say he says i want to make five million next year and the jizz like okay sure then they'll sign for five million okay but if the jizz like no we want to pay you four mm-hmm. then they'll go to arbitration like last year we've won, we've gone to arbitration two years in a row yeah. with marcus stroman mm-hmm. um we probably will again this year because yeah. uh mr ego is not going to want to get paid less than he is but he missed half the season this year. Him and Aaron Sanchez and both um, should be paid no more than they're currently making. Or I will be a little bit disappointed. As mm-hmm. one of my British friends says, I'm not angry. I'm just very disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to give him a show. He just started listening to the podcast. So <laughs> that one's for you, Lukey. <laughs> so one yeah. guy that's kind of in this category as well, uh, Super 2 eligible, played enough time in the MLB <laughs> to be eligible for arbitration, Joe mm. Biagini, but yeah, oh, man, it's, it's not going to get to arbitration. So for people who are confused by Super 2, uh, to get arbitration eligibility, you need to have three years of major league service time and Joe B. Gini has pl- pitched enough in the last two seasons to kind of accrue enough time to meet this super two eligible where you can earn arbitration after two years. Yeah. Um, Cause he's spent full seasons on the major league roster um, essentially. 
God, Joe Biagini. If if we have Joe Biagini on our forty man roster, or even our twenty five man roster next season, I will be angry. I will not be extremely disappointed. I'll be, I'll be livid. <laughs> Patrick, I'm going to assume you feel the exact same. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do want to double back, though, when it comes to the arbitration, because there are a couple of situations that are kind of interesting as far as whether or not we even bother. Mm. Um, with Jake Patricka, he is already 30, and he has yet to prove himself as an MLB caliber pitcher. So I feel like it... If there's a way that we can dump him somewhere, uh, we should do it. We should to make space so we don't potentially risk uh, losing out on some of these other players um, that are vulnerable to uh, <clears throat> the 40-man uh, business. But uh, Patricka, I would love to see gone. Um, I'm very on the fence about Brandon Drury. I don't know whether or not he has a future in Toronto. I know that would kind of suck to get rid of him and have like nothing to show for that trade aside from McKinney, but at the same time he's been hurt and he hasn't performed that well. Um, and that that's just my two cents when it comes to the arbitration. Those are two guys we could potentially get rid of and be justified. Yeah. Uh, Joe, as for Joe Biagini, there's a reason why I coded him in our, uh, sheet here is mustard shit. Uh, I picked the most ugliest yellow brown you can think of and highlighted Joe Biagini, and it's reflective of my feelings of him. I Not only should he be fired into the sun, we should just purge him from any and all MLB records that exist. Man, you are really going after some of the Jays today. I love like, it. That's great. Jeez. We're just having fun. Oh, We're just yeah. having fun. Until they listen and cry themselves to sleep, which would never happen. I don't think any Jays player is ever going to listen to this ever. But uh, still, um, the next category, this is the most interesting one. Players that are vulnerable or likely to be dealt to make room. A lot of guys on here. Danny Barnes, bye. Uh, Jose Fernandez, uh, we got Mark Leiter Jr., we got uh, Justin Schaefer, we've got Jonathan Davis, Pompey, Dwight Smith Jr., Captain Mediocres, all of them. Like yeah. just, just a bunch of middle-of-the-row guys. Are there any guys on this list, all the guys that I said there, are there any players that stick out that are like, okay, you can make a case for them to stay? Um, yes. Yeah, there are a couple. Uh, Jose Fernandez hasn't been terrible. Yeah. He's... Uh, 25 left-handed, which is valuable in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. We've talked about that with, with Tim Meza. Um, Mark Leiter Jr. we picked up uh, from Philadelphia just off, off the waiver wire, and he, he's probably gone. Uh, Justin Schaefer is interesting. I think Jonathan Davis has earned the right to stay just based on the fact that he's come up from double A this season. Mm-hmm. And I still think Dwight Smith Jr. has something to give. His defense on that fart slam last night was terrible. But, uh, yeah, there's a few guys on here. I'll let Patrick get into the guys that he probably wants to keep or, or dump too. <laughs> Go ahead, Patrick. Um, I Danny Barnes is done. Yeah. Uh, Jose Fernandez is an interesting case because he is one of the youngest on this list, if not the youngest, and I think he might also have the least amount of experience and i see him having more upside because he has uh the the lefty thing going for him but also like he he's had some moments uh where since his call up uh that make me think that he might be the kind of guy that we can drop in to the seventh inning and just get us out of it if we're, you know, leading by one or leading by two or we're tied. Like, I I don't know about the pressure component of that situation. I just, I have a feeling that he might be something uh, in the future. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year, especially considering we're going to be rebuilding next year. Um, Taylor Guerrero, it's kind of a, the same story, except he's a year older. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he might have slightly more experience. Mark Later Jr., he gone. Justin Schaefer, I don't see us bothering with him. 
I, I would I would drop him. He's not going to be a world beater, even if he ends up becoming an MLB caliber player. Uh, so mm-hmm. I say keep the spot open and drop him. Uh, Jonathan Davis will has earned a spot on the 40-man. Uh, Dwight Smith Jr., it's still too early to tell whether or not he is a bust or not. Uh, the most interesting player on this list that we have highlighted in blue here is Dalton Pompey because... Guys, he's been with the team for a very long time, and he's been passed over by pretty much every outfielder that we have acquired through trade or free agency to date as far as uh, taking up a roster spot. So at what point do we cut our losses with Dalton Pompey and trade him for value while he still has it? Well, listen, listen, one more thing on Pompey, too. He's the only player on our 40-man roster who isn't with the big league club right now. Hmm. And that's saying something. He's been to the bigs before. He stole bases in the playoffs yeah, for us. I don't think he has a lot of value. I love Dalton Pompey. I always like when we have Canadians yeah. on our roster. I don't think he has a lot of value outside the fact that he's Canadian. Yeah, and, and so the, the thing with this 40-man and these guys who are who are vulnerable, just because we expose them doesn't mean they'll be taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have so many. Like We could expose every one of these guys, and maybe two would be taken. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna pick names, but I'm just looking at math because there aren't gonna be a there's gonna be a lot of teams who are in the same boat as us that have great young farm systems that they're gonna have to try and protect as many of their young guys as they can. Yeah. Um. And they're gonna have to expose some decent players like a Dalton Pompey or a Jonathan Davis who have good outfield skill sets. And and have decent numbers in the minor leagues. And Dalton Pompey is a switch hitter. We can't discount that. He's been, he's he's a decent hitter. He's been hurt. He was hurt this year. He had a disagreement with Bobby Meacham and AAA, the manager, and got suspended by the team for a few games. He's kind of on the outs with the organization right now in terms of his attitude. I think. But that being said, I think Dalton Pompey probably gets exposed to the Rule Five, mm-hmm. and if he's taken, whatever. And if he's not, he has a chance to stay in the organization for yeah. one more year. It's a no-risk situation. It's really a no-risk situation to the Jays because, like as Patrick alluded to, we've had guys pass him in the organizational depth charts like McKinney and Anthony Alford and Jonathan Davis and Dwight Smith Jr. even, who have come past him this season. That's four guys. Yeah. Four or five guys right there that, that were ranked below. Like Dalton Pompey, he could have made the team out of spring training. He was supposed to be fighting for that third outfield spot with Teoscar Hernandez. And we saw how that worked out. Pompey didn't even break camp with the team. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. Uh, let's talk good, a, okay, go on, Patrick. It's very, very telling of the situation that Billy McKinney was that first call mm-hmm. and not Dalton Pompey. And I think that speaks volumes as far as how the team feels about him at this point. I wouldn't go so far as to say management hates him, but... As far as limiting any possible experience he gains from MLB, there's something there's something very calculated happening behind the scenes, and I think Justin hit the nail right on the head in that the team has moved on from him in every way it possibly can, short of like saying to his face, "You will never play on this team as a starter," or even like. Uh, as a pinch runner ever again like it's very telling it's kind of strange too like it's not often that you see a player who is mlb capable has proven mlb success in the past and in as uh, young and fast and uh, as good a fielder as pompey is that he's just getting nowhere on a team it's very strange all right, let's talk about some of the guys that uh, may be vulnerable to uh, get picked up by the guys because we have a bunch of guys not on our 40-man roster right now. Uh, we have a list of them. We won't go through all of them, but is there one guy on that list, Justin, that do you think maybe another team would want to pick up or we might lose with the Rule 5 draft? Yeah, I think if we expose Jonathan Davis, he's the guy that would get taken. He'd be the first one I would take. Okay. Patrick? Um... I think, well, we have a list of players who are not currently on the 40-man roster, and I think that's, there's a lot of interesting cases on that where we need to be very careful uh, about trying to make space for them. For example, 
Our first round pick from 2015, John Harris, is not on the 40 man, and he is vulnerable to the Rule 5 draft. We should be protecting him. Uh, another example would be Hector Perez, one of the guys we got in the Osuna trade. He's a right-handed pitcher in AA, so he was one of the champion Fisher Cats. Uh, I think Hector Perez has tremendous upside, and we should protect him um, at the cost of, we'll say, like the Mark Leiter Jr. spot or whatever. We should be protecting him over mm-hmm. Danny Barnes or, you know, uh, a couple of the other names that we mentioned before who uh, are kind of on the fringe. Agreed. Uh, for, sorry? I said I just said agreed, yeah. Good. Yeah, Hector Perez is just an interesting prospect piece for us, and I believe he's already in our top 15 for prospects. He's up there, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, Max Pentecost, our double-A uh, catcher with the Fisher Cats. His development, I think, has probably been a little bit slower than what was hoped, but when you compare him to someone like Danny Jansen, it's kind of unfair because <laughs> Jansen uh, is clearly something a bit more special. Yeah, I think we've already seen it with uh, with his performance in MLB, even though he's cooled off the last week and a bit. Um, the last one that I was thinking about, I, I don't know. I don't know a lot about Dunedin mm-hmm. and Patrick Murphy, but um, Justin, can you talk a little bit about him? Yes and no. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't think we have to worry about Patrick Murphy being taken just because of the whole being placed on the 25-man roster. So Patrick Murphy was named the Florida State League Pitcher of the Year this year. Um, He had a great season. I I won't get into his stats because it doesn't really matter at this point. It's it's high A ball. He's probably two, three years away from tasting the big leagues. But putting him on the 40-man doesn't really make sense. I think really the only guys we need to worry about too much are anyone who saw AAA this season a.k.a. Jonathan Davis, Jacob mm-hmm. Wagus-Pack, or a guy like a Forrest Wall who is a highly titled outfield prospect in AA who we got for saying one O. Also, Harold Ramirez, who hit 320 with a, like an 830 OPS in uh, AA. He kind of got overshadowed by the other guys down there, but he was the leadoff hitter a lot of the season and uh, in uh, with, the, with the Fisher Cats and Max Pentecost, too. Um, there's probably about four players on this list who we really need to think about protecting jordan romano might be one a canadian pitcher who was also with the fisher cats and pitched a couple of games in AAA um with the buffalo bisons so he might be a guy that we need to protect as well just to ensure that we we at least keep him for another year and he's probably two years away from major league sniffing i mm-hmm. guess getting us a couple spot starts so there's there's this mostly just Anyone in AAA and anybody who tasted AA for the full season or a little bit of AAA is probably what we need to protect. I think with that, we are done. Uh, episode 16 in the books. A lot of chirps, a lot of swear words, <laughs> a lot of laughs, a lot of memories. Basically, your standard episode of Bat Flips Maple Dips. Yeah. Uh, we love you, Montana. We love you, Iowa. We love you, Idaho. Thanks for listening. I would love it if just one person from Montana would give us a message and say they listen. Just one. Don't worry. Next week, we will be back. Um, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music. You can find us on there. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Still no Nexopia. Fucking Nexopia execs, man. Won't let us on there. Um, Thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening. Episode 17 next week. We'll see you then.